0: You're listening to the Healing Birth with Carla podcast and I'm your host, Carla Sargent. For the past decade, I've been working in the field of birth trauma support and education, utilizing my background in midwifery and teaching and putting my passion for story sharing to good use. This podcast seeks to dispel common myths surrounding birth trauma and what it takes to heal. Each week, we'll be spending an insightful and inspiring hour together listening to the stories of people who have journeyed from trauma to healing, and discussing the insights of birthkeepers who support others to heal. Whether you're new to the world of birth, a long-time parent, or someone who has an insatiable appetite for all things birth-related, this podcast offers hope and love, guidance and peace, as together we explore how healing our earth begins with healing birth. But before we grace your ears with today's episode, I'm going to take this opportunity to say that if you're inspired to heal with me, or to train with me, or if you have a healing story that you'd like to share on my podcast, reach out to me via my website, healingbirth.co.nz. One week ago today, on October the 6th, when I made this recording with the beautiful Sophia Pascal, who's a birth doula and a dear friend, it was the first year anniversary of the Healing Birth with Carla podcast. So joining with me in this episode to celebrate a year of the podcast, 45 episodes, over 4,500 downloads, and having been listened to in 30 countries, I have Sophia Pascal sharing a really beautiful, intimate story about the birth that she recently attended, a particularly special one. Enjoy. Hello beautiful friend. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's a bit of a shame that we're not sitting on the couch together again like we were for our first podcast interview but thank you for joining me from Harikari Peninsula where you now live in the bush and with an incredible view of the ocean out your window that you just showed me oh, yeah yeah oh, thank you yeah <laughs> it's exciting so one year since um since I launched the podcast. And your episode is the one that we did titled Sophia on Grief, Loss, Birth, and Death. Um, is the the most listened to episode of the 45 episodes I've done so far. And I just think that speaks volumes, not 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 just about what an amazing person you are and how people are really like interested in the work you do and um and what you have to say on the topic of of birth and grief and Mm -hmm. death but um but the fact that people are wanting to tune in to hear about stories of loss and grief um and yet you wouldn't know it out there in the world it's like you know, um, it's still that, it's still that mysterious kind of scary, awkward, mm, confronting thing that yeah, people seem to want to know more about. So mm. I, I love that you open up these conversations so beautifully. Um, I know you've been doing some amazing work, writing work. Uh, you could share a little bit about that if you like. Um, And and part of that has been on on, um, people exploring grief, Um, but mostly I want to I want to have you share (laughs) about a super super exciting occasion that has happened for you and your family this week, um, in both your role as a doula, I guess, and but um, more significantly as um, the role of sister to at your your sister's birth recently Mm. so um so yeah do you want to just start off sharing a wee bit about your writing circles because I think I think yeah that's that would be awesome for people to hear about and then yeah (sighs) sorry
1: yeah so my writing circles have been a space for us to touch into our heart, which is just what we've been talking about—grief. People are interested about the conversation because we want to open our heart. We want to feel. We want to feel loved. We want to feel love. Um, so yeah, my writing circle is a space for us to express and practice expressing from our heart space and um the space is small just 10 people um so that we can create that intimate container and um practice pouring out of our heart and sharing it with each other and it's been extraordinarily profound and so deeply beautiful and touching and um a lot of the participants start off just listening and watching and observing and what happens is when we see people pouring from their heart or in connection with their heart um it ignites something in you it's contagious it moves you um and then there's space for you to step in and share from from your heart so um we've done all sorts of topics birth death passion grief we did the mother the mother was an extraordinarily big topic um yeah and a few other things it's just been an organic unfolding and I've loved it I've really loved it
0: Mm. yeah isn't isn't it interesting how when we write it's kind of like when we do breath work or meditation, it kind of feels like it is a form of meditation. It's like it taps you in mm-hmm. to a part of yourself that you don't ordinarily have access to. Like if when we're just talking about our experience or um thinking about it, it's mm-hmm. somehow different when we write in it. And I'm I am i am forever reading back over diary entries. Mm. And going, wow! Like, yeah, look at the learning that took place. Look at what I unpacked about myself. Mm. If I hadn't written it down, it would not have happened. Yeah, it's a very
1: private experience. You and your pen and your book and God, you're writing, you're sharing onto the page. You don't have to share that with anybody if you don't want to. But there is space to see what it feels like to to open up your journal to this small group of beings and um see what it feels like to share and everyone sort of holds each other and and in real deep honor and the process is it's a beautiful place to practice um embodying your heart yeah
0: beautiful wow yeah um and just the listeners who might be going oh I want to do that, but I don't live near Sophia. You don't need to live near Sophia. It's online. and um, I'm really loving this
1: online space. I can still get um, a sense of deep intimacy. You can be in your own home, in your own bedroom. One woman writes from her wardrobe every every week. And um, so you are in charge of, of how much you are pouring out. Um, into the space it can be just a practice that you're doing for yourself and you don't share but you get the benefit of listening to others who want to share Um, or you can see how it feels to um, to express the the truth from your from your heart yeah Mm -hmm. amazing yeah
0: and now I would (laughs) I am my goodness so dying to hear I mean on your social media you're oh. sharing a few photos of um this birth that you attended recently uh caught snippets of your beautiful poetic writing um about how um touching and huge mm-hmm. and profound this birth was for you but I imagine for your sister who was giving birth as well and um and her baby and whoever else was present um but yeah share away tell us what what, what to share about it and I know that you've, you've asked her permission to share so
1: I have asked her permission she's she's happy for me to share um I've been trying to um I've been tr- trying to do a live about it, but I feel really deep in such awe that I haven't got there yet. <laughs> I haven't got there. Um, so this is my sister's third baby and her her first two babies, um, she's a 12-year-old and a six-year-old. Um, both of those births were sadly, um, they didn't go the way that she wanted them to go. Um, both instances, um, the midwife wanted her to do something that she didn't want to do, uh, which was, yeah, really, really unfortunate. So the first first scenario the they measured the baby was small. I mean, I guess every single woman probably finds out that her baby's the wrong size and um the plan to birth at home was changed the midwife said that she had to prepare for um, baby being in the icu and that it was very dangerous and that the baby would be in icu for a long time and um so my sister had always dreamed well not dreamed she'd always it was natural for her to want to birth at home she was born at home and um, at the very end of her pregnancy Um, the midwife said she didn't feel comfortable anymore to have this very small baby born at home. And the baby ended up being eight pounds four. And um, it wasn't a nice experience. Baby number two was born very, very quickly. I couldn't get to that birth because there was a flood. Um, And my sister called the midwife to say, I'm in labor, can you come over? And the midwife said, well, I'm actually at the hospital right now, so you come here. So my sister ended up going there. Um, It was a straightforward birth, but it wasn't what she wanted to be supported. Um, So this third baby, um, my sister just said, I just I don't want to go anywhere. I want to be at home. I want to be at home. And um she got a really great midwife who I know really well. And that was the plan. Lots of fears came out during her pregnancy around, you know, what if, what if I need to go to hospital? What if what if I'm not supported? All of the things that you go through. Um yeah, I don't know how much to share about um healing in the sense of how much the heart can feel um yeah this this baby that this baby that came into my sister um really bought an opportunity for deep 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 heart healing and i got to observe that throughout the birth so labor Sort of started on and off for a couple of days, and my sister got really annoyed and frustrated and angry that you know it's not starting, and I'm really tired, and I just want this baby to be here. And um, I said to her, "Please let me come over. Let me be there with you. Let me do all the things that I do." And she didn't want me to to come, Um, which is really perfect perfect and beautiful um it was quite a vulnerable time for her and she didn't want anyone in her space um so we messaged on Facebook Messenger every day and that sort of we were close even though we were not physically close and I was just waiting for the call anyway she'd messaged me one morning frustrated and angry I'm. I'm having surges, but they're not painful yet. And it's probably nothing again. So I said, what if what if you're one of those women that has a painless birth? Wouldn't that be cool? I was really just trying to engage a conversation. And She said, yeah, yeah, that would be cool. And I said, ask for what you want. Ask for the birth you want. Just ask for it. And she said, okay. Um, So, anyway, the time came when when she thought labor was really cooking after she had had a cry and all the process that you do. Um, And when I rocked up to her house, I said, Did you ask for the birth you wanted? She said, Yeah. So, what did you say? And she said, I asked for the birth I deserve. And I was really like, What? What does that mean? Like, what could that mean? Um so I was a bit stunned for a minute, and then I was like, Yeah, cool. You're just in deep trust that this is gonna be exactly for you, exactly for what you need. So um we started talking on the couch together, um, about you know, real nostalgic childhood things, things that we did as children, our grandmother, our gramps our mom we love to laugh about our mom and really got in the heart and um it was just this beautiful sharing space and then I could see she was sort of going deeper and deeper and and labor was starting to brew it was starting to happen she was getting a bit quieter um and then all of a sudden she said to her partner you need to shut up (laughs) and he hadn't said a word and I was like yeah things are happening she's gonna have a baby um so I had you know a little internal giggle and um we lit the fire and she just lay on the couch um sort of kneeling on the floor over the couch started to get quieter I could start to hear some sounds happening with her surges and then her water broke And so I messaged the midwife straight away and said, you probably want to be on your way. Um, My sister's not in in strong labor yet, but her water has just broken. So make your way over. She had a bit of a drive. And then I messaged um, Kim from Billy Blue, who um, took photos, who lived just up the road, luckily, um, to come. So... My sister said to me, I am feeling, she said, remember that time with my first baby and we had to go to the hospital and I got a bit scared and I said, yes, she said, I'm feeling a bit scared, said, that's okay and we we just sort of softened into the space and you know, everything is, this is your home, we're staying here. It didn't actually take much um, for her to come back down into her peaceful space that she was in and then I could start hearing that labor was really doing what it does she was starting to make really good sounds and um she really enjoyed the hot water bottle on her back and it was really just this really beautiful home the home was warm the fire was going the peace in the house was very loud, very present, and, um, yeah, eventually, I mean, it wasn't very long after that, um, she started really making deep, good sounds, and I really heard a lot of grief release in those sounds. Um, Yeah, I really heard, like, heartbreak happening and opening happening and... um, yeah, I really heard grief and power and then pushing. And I knew that the midwife wasn't going to make it and that that was perfect. Um, So, yeah, she says, like, this baby's coming. And I say, yes, it is. Wonderful. Um, The baby starts to crown. And I can see that we've got a really big baby coming big chops big juicy cheeks and um she keeps saying is the head out yet nearly there (laughs) nearly a little bit more but it's actually quite a lot more but a little bit more um yeah very slowly the head was born and um and then we were waiting for the next stage, the shoulders. I could see that this was a really big baby, and I'm aware that there's no medical professional here. And a little bit in me, as we wait for the shoulders, was like, okay, there's no one here. If something happens, do I do the things that I've seen? You know, there was a little bit of dialogue there in my head. And then it was just like, no, nothing. I don't have to do anything patience nothing has to be done my sister knows what to do her body is going to do this thing and yeah it was quite a heave for for um for the shoulders she put her leg up on my knee and made space instinctively I didn't need to guide that I didn't need to say anything she created space she um yeah, pushed this baby girl. But even she was her shoulders came out and she still didn't come out because she was so chunky and she had this big cleavage. It was just <laughs> really <laughs> gorgeous. And I had to slide my fingers into her armpits and you know, gently pull her out. And she was so heavy that her bottom swang down and sat on my lap. <laughs> and and she'd arrived. Um my sister was enjoy and elated and her and her partner were were having a moment together. And so I had this, it was about a minute with this baby, my niece, chubby, beautiful little girl. Um I had this quiet moment with her and she wasn't breathing yet. She was just looking up at me. I was looking at her and I said hello. <laughs> hello hello my darling and I gave her a rub um not vigorously you know just in absolute trust that she was going to come into her body and then my sister said does she need me and I said yes she turned over because she was on all fours she turned over and when I lifted her baby onto her chest that's when she took her first breath and It was just so, so beautiful. Um, And, yeah, it was quiet and warm and yeah, those first, all of the moments, but particularly those first moments were very sacred and quiet and Uninterrupted and there was no talking or checking or any of the things. Um yeah, so a couple of days later, my sis my sister texted me and said, sis, I got the birth I deserved mm. <laughs> and I just have watched her really fall in love with this baby in a way that didn't naturally happen with the first two um, because of the disruption. And um, she, I looked at her the next day, she looks washed, like something's washed her clear and she's radiant and She's feeling empowered and on top of the world, and you know, on that birth high, that real birth high, um, that she got to be in total full control of of her birth experience, and her breastfeeding journey is is going really really well. And she texts me and said, "Also, I'm not an asshole anymore." <laughs>
0: Which,
1: <laughs> We just laughed, but I know that that really just meant like I've had a big heart healing and I can really see that. And her baby, when I saw that, I realized, yeah, you had a big 10 pound baby because this baby's bringing a whole lot of sunshine into your life and a whole lot of healing. And um, her name's Layla. Yeah. Beautiful. So that's my sister's birth story from my p- perspective
0: yeah.
1: um I got to watch where this has been videoed and I watched it back because before I went into the space I was kind of like what sort of experience do I want to have this is my niece being born like will I embody all the emotions that will arise and And I didn't. I just was absolutely quiet and empty and still. And I can't really describe the quietness was like pressing out into every corner of my body and into every cell. Just very, very quiet and trusting. It was just a very holy night.
0: Yeah. Mm. oh thank you for sharing and thank you Mo for letting Sophia share that um and Kim the photographer amazing photographer made it to the birth so when you were describing the size of this chunky baby (laughs) and (laughs) there's this image that you've shared online of where you're, you're you're holding holding Layla as she is half in her mouth and half out and yeah that cleavage that <laughs> she, shoulder's curled around like she was yeah she's been a
1: big girl and um no tearing um which I think is just very very interesting because every single birth that I've been to where the babies arrive before anybody else has arrived, there seems to be no tearing. And I think that's well, I don't know. It could be just accidental. It could be anything. But I do see a lot of fear, especially of big babies being born, to get the baby out, get the baby out, push really hard, get the baby out. Um like a, a lot of quickness and having deep, deep trust that um, the body is going to do the thing slows it all down. And um, I'm sure certain care providers would have really pulled that baby out, turned my sister into different positions and yeah it was just interesting to, to I even witnessed that in myself, like, gosh, this is a big baby. Like, what am I going to do if I need to do something? Um, but just a deep trust and quietness came into me. Just be patient and watch, patient and watch. And I didn't say anything. She made space in her pelvis. She shifted into the position that she needed, and she just roared this 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 girl
0: out. This mm-hmm. beautiful girl yeah I, I love that share of yours about her just instinctively creating that space and I've heard this from some very beautiful wise midwives who I have worked with or talked with over over the years and um one particular story stands out of the midwife who was describing the home birth um it was a breech birth and how this you know the the mama stood up she was in the pool and she stood up out of the water um to to birth her baby and um you know the 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 biggest part comes after the easier part when it's a breech birth right the biggest part is is the head and um and so in you know when vaginal breech birth happens in any sort of a typical setting (laughs) by which I mean hospital or home birth with a probably a bit of a fearful midwife this midwife had complete trust like you described that the mother will instinctively know she'd seen enough births she uh, she will know what to do I don't need to tell her to get into a position that's going to increase the diameters for that baby to get out or I don't need I don't need to do anything I just need to trust Mm. and she said in this mama did what you described she put she was on her knees and she put one leg up and and bent it and that's what I hear is a really common the same midwife said to me that that's what she's seen with women who the baby has shoulders that others might think are sort of stuck you Mm -hmm. know whether it's slow to be born or it's a a big baby and a bit more of a challenge to get out that will often be um the position they will naturally adopt to create more space so it was really cool hearing you describe that
1: yeah the less rescuing that we do and I mean that in the sense of direct direction um, you could try this. You could try that. The less I do, the more the mother tunes into herself and finds the right thing. Exactly. Um, yeah. And that is how that's empowerment. Yeah. Um, at one point, my sister sort of was screaming, help me. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's just a moment. And I just said, Yes. <laughs> I knew there was nothing that I needed to to do to help her. Helping her was actually just witnessing her in her power and letting her own it, letting yeah. her be the center of her experience, and then looking in her eyes afterwards and being like, "Yeah, I saw that. I saw yeah. you
0: do that." Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was going to add as well, when you said about not doing anything is, you know, is an important piece of her being able to tap into her trust and her instincts. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of that not doing anything is not saying anything about her having, a oh, it's a big baby. Oh, you know, or anything that intimates that there could be an issue here. You're I not- hear
1: sometimes I hear when the baby's being pushed out I hear a midwife say scissors and I'm just like why would you why would you say that word because she's just getting prepared in case why would you say that out loud yeah yeah no just words like that can just absolutely be frightening and absolutely. triggering
0: traumatic yeah.
1: triggers me it's um, yeah yeah the whole body contracts when I
0: hear someone say scissors absolutely but even even something that's less aggressive than that just saying oh you know oh oh big baby yeah this is making me think of um Tanya's birth who that which was the last birth that I got to attend um earlier this year, and she was birthing her baby into the water and she'd asked me to be the one to receive her baby, bless. Um, it was a home birth after two previous caesareans that had happened, you know, sort of, what was it, 12 and 15 years earlier or something. Um, and it was it had been, you know, a challenging birth. and um, And her baby's head was born really slowly into the water, like when I say really slowly there was the chin and then one lip out the other not you know like and it was just sort of like that for a while and then sort of the nose and I like it was it was um, oh sorry we're going the other way this way but yeah um, nose and then the top lip and it took a while and you know I I wasn't like she had a mid well two midwives at this birth um, but I was the one who could see what was going on and her midwife was watching quietly from the side and the second midwife was over the other side of the room. And rather than go, like, because I was thinking, shit, are we going to have stuck shoulders here? Because that that's sometimes a sign, is that really slow birthing of the head. And um, But rather than say anything that might be like, I just wanted to let the midwife know without putting any fear out there so it was sort of like oh wow oh there's your baby's you know forehead oh it's down to the eyes oh wow here comes its nose <laughs> like you know sort of letting the midwife know this baby is that its head has been born quite slowly and just so she could be aware and know what was happening because it wasn't that easy to see I was the one who was right there and baby was being born I'm into the water um but yeah everything was fine but yes you know <laughs> It's so important to be mindful of, yeah, not just what we do, but what we say and what energy we are bringing into that space. And, um, you know, um, so, yeah, noticing what's going on in your head but choosing very wisely what's appropriate to share or act on Mm. versus to see it for what it is. Oh, there's there's some fear rising. Yes. Um is is that for good reason or is that because of past experiences, conditioning, you know, what I've been taught in midwife school, whatever, you know? Um so yeah, yeah. Nice work. <laughs> nice work at holding such beautiful space for your sister to do what what We know how to do. We do know how to birth our babies. It's so rare yeah. for there to be a, a true need for, you know, intervention, interference. There is so much to be said for the safety that comes with trusting physiology.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cole. Yeah. Yeah, it was a true
1: reclamation for her and um a life-changing event. Mm. Very powerful. And then after that the midwives arrived and and they were so amazing and quiet and um yeah. Yeah. It was it was amazing. Mm.
0: Mm. were Layla's siblings in the house were they no no
1: okay. uh they were at my mum's oh nice <laughs> yeah so she's got brothers so it was very exciting to, to have a girl and my sister yeah really 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 wanted to have a, a daughter and yeah. and she arrived extraordinarily yeah. um yeah, after that birth, I was like, if I never see another baby be born again, I don't mind. That was mm-hmm. that was just a pinnacle experience for me.
0: Yeah, um, I, a question is popping to mind for me um, around you described uh, Mo's first birth. Um, she, presumably it was determined that her baby was small by way of scan or multiple scans. Um, and I'm, I'm sure it was, you know, um, yeah, became blatantly obvious that, uh, in hindsight, that those scans caused unnecessary fear and caused decisions to be made that were, um, went against her, you know what what might have wanted or would have perhaps chosen had she not been pressured or whatever I don't know the full story um but I'm intrigued to know whether she chose to have scans with her other pregnancies mm-hmm. um or particularly this this one because I you know like you know would have been interesting if she'd at a scan late in pregnancy and being told you've got, you know, a really big baby. Um, Yeah.
1: Um, I'm not 100% sure of all all of those details, Um, Mm. but I know with their first baby that was the induction, drama, um, you know, like pressure to induce and because you've got a small baby, we need to The doctor even said to her, you know, you don't want your baby to die. Really use that card. Mm -hmm. Um, That was at an appointment where she was on her own, which Mm -hmm. is just kind of revolting. Mm -hmm. Um, And what's the other detail with that birth? Um, Oh, the other thing that was a real shame was when, with, with my sister's first baby, um, she was laboring at home and with the plan to to go to to transfer to the hospital as per their wishes um and when i when i rang the midwife to say that she was in um in labor and could she come to the home could she come here and be be with my sister and and maybe see what she thought about when to transfer And the midwife refused and said, no, meet me at the hospital. And um, that was quite a significant dampening on on that birth experience because she really could have been at home for a lot, much longer. um, And things could have been different if she had been supported a little bit longer at home. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, lots of, yeah, lots of things to um heal and change. The other thing is she was very young. She didn't have the skills to say, actually, this is what I want. Um, and in every experience, you you have to be able to do that. You have to be able to say, this is what I'm choosing. This is this is right for me. I need you to do this. Um, you have to be able to communicate that with whoever you're working with in your birth. If you don't have the skills to be able to say, this is important to me um then that's those things are not going to be respected because they're not going to be known it's hard to um take charge of your own experience if you are not taking charge of your own experience if you're you know going down the river yeah
0: yeah and this this kind of comes back to um a recurring theme that comes up inevitably when I'm, people are you know sharing about their journey from sort of trauma to healing, um from having a traumatic first birth to then you know having a, a really beautiful, empowering, positive next birth experience. That 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 journey requires a whole lot of self work, right? And that self work is about unpacking the pieces of you that you were possibly not even aware of that were fearful of of taking responsibility for the decision making that believed that somebody outside of yourself knew more about your body or what was best for your baby or you during your pregnancy or birth Mm -hmm. um the belief that um you know, we were we were being troublesome or um yeah. difficult if we if we said no <laughs> or questioned um what we were being advised, or you know, there's just so much of the stuff that we are, if if we haven't, I don't know, had that revealed to us through some other 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 means during our lifetime before we get pregnant. Mm. It's you know, like we, for most of us, we will tend to travel down the path that you know that mainstream kind of um, discourse sort of decides for us. You know, uh, yeah, uh, and we and we do that believing that, like believing that that's the most responsible thing to do or the safest thing to do. I kind of am coming back to that point that I often make as well, is that we're always just choosing the path that we believe is going to be safest for us and our babies, our baby. And that is different depending on what information we have or support we do or don't have available to us in that moment. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it's just an important point to make because I think a lot of people hold on to guilt and shame (laughs) um, around I didn't take responsibility for my I didn't say no I didn't switch midwives when I had a feeling that that midwife wasn't quite the right one for me I didn't listen to that voice that was telling me you know induction isn't the way to go Um, so just reminding people that yeah, with different information, with different support, with different if you'd done it, if you'd had the opportunity to do that self-work that I was just describing, yeah, you you probably would have made completely different choices, but you at the time you you're always just making the going with the decisions that you believe are safest, because of course you are.
1: Yeah, and I, I also don't believe that any birth is wrong or you know if if something happened and you didn't listen to yourself and you took someone's advice and you did something that you weren't so happy with on the other side that's a powerful experience that's a powerful experience for you to take into the rest of your life of really speaking up and all of these things that I, I don't think that any birth is a um you know when rem- from my sister's experience, you know, the birth that you deserve, which is such a kind of strong language, but um sometimes those very difficult ones are so extraordinarily life-changing and you deserve a change. You deserve a change, um a path move. Um an opportunity to open your heart more, all of these different things. There's no wrong, wrong experience in life. Um, yeah, I just think that's really important for people who are like, oh, I want—I oh, wish I had have had this peaceful birth at home with my sister by the fireplace. That sounds this and that. Mm. Um, that could be your experience. It might not even be the one that you wanted or needed. Um there's just no wrong experience, mm. yeah. Mm. Every birth I... you're going to, you're going to, you're going to have an experience. You're going to learn something very, very extraordinarily powerful, and it's not going to be the same as as anybody else's. We we just never know what's going to happen. Mm. And You know, my sister's first birth that didn't go the way she wanted it to, it made this birth so extraordinarily powerful and life changing and heart opening. If she had have had this beautiful home birth first time second time and third time it would just be like another great birth it may not have right completely changed her life so extraordinarily there wouldn't be any deep reclamation happening because it was always hers it was always hers it was always hers there's something extraordinarily powerful about um the polarity of 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 her birth experiences
0: absolutely yeah i have the privilege of witnessing this a lot and my role as well where um, it's not something I raise with clients unless they have given me communicated to me in some way that they are ready to hear it or that they are already are already there Um, but when we experience trauma it is a beautiful potent opportunity to learn it can be can be if you if you do the work if you are willing to um be open um to to viewing it with this lens a beautiful learning opportunity such a growthful experience uh, and that you like you said before you might not otherwise have had the opportunity to realize certain things about yourself or to you know to yeah hold such compassion for yourself or to um to do the inner work to you know like there's just so much that's beautiful that can come from the depths of our trauma and grief and and so yes, I've heard this so many times and and witnessed it and um of people who have done that, done that healing, have have, you know, stepped into that um place of going, okay, that birth was nothing like I wanted it to be. Um, what do I need to do to prepare myself for the experience that um, I'm hoping for that you know I desire um Mm. and it's never easy work it's never easy work um but then they have that that you know Layla's sort of birth experience like where uh yeah that work really pays off (laughs) <laughs> and it doesn't mean that they get the birth that they envisage. It doesn't mean that they get the, you know, the um perhaps their dream birth. In fact, you know, I've I hear stories of people who had a repeat caesarean that they that was nothing like the trauma of their first, that they themselves used the words healing, positive, and empowering to describe that. Yes. That next, that next birth that ended in caesarean. Um, so it's not it's not about often how we give birth. It's it's how we it's what happens internally in response to what's going on, and that is largely dependent on the support we have, the environment that we're in, our belief in ourselves, our trust in ourselves. These sorts of things, yes, yeah, absolutely.
1: That the woman remains empowered, that she makes the decisions, that she makes the choices, that she's asked, that she's listened to, that she's cared for and respected,
0: absolutely, and loved on, right? Like, mm. that's the, the woman who was particularly coming to mind with the caesarean scenario. Um, you know, she had, um planned, uh, yeah, after we'd worked together, um, sort of unpacking her first traumatic um, birth, which was a kind of induction, you know, cascade of interventions, emergency caesarean. She was going with the same midwife, planning another hospital birth. I had a whole lot of fear, understandably. And then we unpacked everything and kind of, you know, like she understood things from a whole new perspective. And so she um, decided actually I'm gonna plan a home birth and um, I helped her find this beautiful home birth midwife and um and I saw her uh this mama in the supermarket bumped into her. This was not long before she was due to birth her baby, and um and I she yeah, gave me one of those gorgeous big, you know, big priggy belly hugs. <laughs> <laughs> And said, "Oh my goodness, Carla, I am so in love with my midwife, and I'm so looking forward to this birth." And it was like this a new person I was talking to. You know, she had been full of fear and self doubt, and here she was, like not just um, feeling fully prepared for her next birth, but looking forward to it. And um, and and when she I, did, I discovered that she'd, you know, given birth in the hospital because I'd, I'd seen um, images that her partner had posted on social media, and I could see the baby was on like hospital bedding. And I thought, oh no, oh no, you know, I knew she must have had a cesarean. I knew this midwife would, was highly unlikely to have suggested she transfer unless it was because she needed a cesarean. And um, and sure enough, that's that's what had happened. Um, the baby had gotten distressed during the labour, but when when she shared that story with me, she started by saying, "And I, I said, I'm so sorry you didn't get the birth you were seeking." She said, "Carly, you've got it all wrong. I got that was such a healing, positive, and empowering birth for me." She said, "I needed." I needed that cesarean, I needed that extra support and I was grateful it was there. And she said, but never once did anybody take any decision making out of my hands. I felt completely and utterly loved on, respected, revered through my process. And um, and you know, like my midwife advocated, one of the things I talk about with mm, people when I work with them after they've had a traumatic first birth, um, and in planning for their next the next birth, I talk about making plans for the ideal birth, but also mm-hmm. making a plan for the the major what ifs that are kind of, you know, th- that are they're ruminating on a lot. And obviously for her, one of those major what ifs is what if I need another cesarean? So I said, make a plan, you know, really talk with with your partner and your midwife about what's important to you. if that happens and I think when people go through that process and they ensure that their support team know what's important to them and this is how we're going to manage things if if that scenario plays out then it's like you can just let go of that fear a little bit right you don't have to keep thinking what if what if because you've got an answer <laughs> and then you can focus more on your on your the birth that you are really hoping for um and so she had made a plan and she said her midwife was amazing at advocating you know uh, so her baby's cord wasn't clamped and cut immediately like as typical with a cesarean um and she was just really supported to have heaps of skin to skin um from early on and she said you know the bonding with this baby was just amazing compared to her first where she really struggled to bond and and the breastfeeding and just her sense of self and um it was just completely different uh so yeah i often like sharing that story and i do have permission to share she's um i share that story a lot with you know midwives who i'm teaching about um birth trauma too or um my trainees in my healing birth practitioner training program when describing that, yeah, birth trauma isn't so much about what happens often as about how we are treated through that process, what we are left believing about ourselves in the wake of that. Um, and, yeah, I think that's such a beautiful example of that. Mm. Yeah. Sophia, one question that came through when I put word out on my social media this week that I was going to be having you join me for um, a special podcast episode to celebrate one year of the podcast um, was, can Sophia share about her doula mentorship, her birth doula mentorship? So do you mind just speaking to that?
1: Yeah. Ooh. Uh, the labor of love is what it's called. Um, I've done two group, two groups. Um, and now I am offering one-on-one mentorship. So this is for you if you are already a doula, already a working doula, um, and you want to be mentored. Um, or if you are uh, wanting to be a birth worker. Um it's 18 weeks. What are uh, calls, online calls, and then you, there's three in-person full day experiences, I'll call them initiations, <laughs> um, with me here um in Karikari Caddy in Auckland. And what can I say about it? We we go through all of the things. We go from grief um right through to um birth, heart opening. Um I kind of teach through stories from my experiences with women and you will um yeah, you'll learn how to be a, a, a very powerful birth witness and and trust birth and be able to hold um that deep peace inside of yourself as you're witnessing a woman in her power and um not slipping into that rescuing or needing to help. There's also sort of a lot of sustainability um it's hard being a birth worker. It's really, really hard. You're working long hours, nights, um, whenever. It could happen anytime. It happens on your kids' birthdays. It happens on the night that you were hoping to have off, all of those things. So a lot of sort of um, personal practices um, that keep you in a very peaceful, open space. It's really, really beautiful. Um, I'm only taking three women on for the mentorship and i already have one of those spaces filled so if you want um, some one-on-one birth work mentorship mentorship let me know i'm also running at the end of this month um sacred birth retreat which is for pregnant women, and it's going to be a really beautiful um ceremony a beautiful honoring of you and your journey and this rite of passage we're really going to feel into um, the boundaries of our body um, what it feels like to hold our power and how to express that um, express your needs during your care and um, yeah it'll be a very special way to celebrate your pregnancy. I will be running another one next year, but um, October 29th, there is a special
0: going on. Is it? Is it a day retreat? The day retreat, a full day retreat. In, yeah. in Karikari.
1: In, in Karikari, in our beautiful temple that we have here with the most extraordinary view uh, deep in nature. It's really, really beautiful. The land that I actually live on, there are some... Um, old sacred birthing water where uh, maori woman used to birth in these pools of water and it's just a really really special space so if you are expecting um this is a, a really valuable way to um, honor yourself and um yeah honor yourself during this potentially once in a lifetime time um yeah, each pregnancy is, is such a sacred time of a woman's life.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to be pregnant.
1: i <laughs> we be checking to make sure. <laughs> no fake pregnancies. <laughs> People say that to me all the time. Oh, I'll have to get pregnant to come. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I run other things. You don't have to be pregnant to to come and enjoy things that I'm offering. Um, no, I'm absolutely. going to be definitely offering a a, a retreat for um, womb healing, which will sort of cover birth trauma, sexual trauma, um, any sense of of violation in the womb space, um, loss, grief. Um, I think that's a very very important offering. And I yeah I have so many other things that um, are lined up because I really have the space now, um, a really beautiful space. So l- keep your eyes peeled. There'll be lots of um, lots of opportunities to um, just yeah to share space.
0: Wonderful. Yeah, I would love to do your writing circles one time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Your birth dollar mentorship, so that's one on one. But are you doing any more? Are you holding any more group um, Mm. birth dollar trainings? I'm
1: not exactly sure, really, what next year is going to bring because I've just, you know, had this huge change, a huge transition into a new town, and I'm I really want to take the next couple of months to um, keep all of the spaces open. Um, the landscape here is so vast and spacious that I'm really taking care not to fill that up with a thousand ideas of things that I could do. I just want to sit in the spaciousness for a couple of months and um, I'll know more about next year, next year. I (laughs) I don't know and I don't want to know and I'm really enjoying slow mornings eating porridge on hills with my daughter and um, sitting in meadows with horses and picking flowers and making daisy chains and like really living slow with my daughter it's it's everything I've ever dreamed of and when we when we're together laying in the sun I say when I grow up if I have a daughter I want to lay in the sun with her and I keep hearing myself say this because and because it's happening and it is what what's happening I am growing up and I do have a daughter and this is such a treasured time for us Good. to be together and what could be more important than that right now
0: nothing, mm. nothing. beautiful beautiful of our sister we're gonna we're gonna close this um beautiful talk Mm -hmm. um it's a bit of a shame obviously bella couldn't make it i haven't checked my phone i don't know if she's tried messaging um but that's okay maybe i can maybe i can extend this out a bit longer and get on a separate call with her because i would love to um I'd love to have her share what's been going on in her world as well. But thank you so much um, for getting on here. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to come and join you in your new home and um, sit and talk first some more with you like we always do.
1: Beautiful, Carla. Thank you so much. Thank you for all the work you do. You're amazing.
0: All right, beautiful. (laughs) something that's very mutual not yeah. to love if you enjoyed that episode please spread the love by sharing this podcast with others and ensuring you subscribe and hit that 5 star review and if you'd like to connect with me you can get hold of me via instagram at healing.birth and through my website healingbirth.co.nz I would love to hear from you whether that's so you can share feedback or suggestions or because you're potentially interested in healing with me or training with me to become a healing birth practitioner. Let's do it. Aroha nui, you beautiful people.